Hey, everybody, welcome back to a special episode of Dog Backwards. If you might have noticed, there was kind of a break between uh, the last one I did and the most recent one on marriage. That's just because, A, I do this when I can, and there is a lot going on in my life right now. And that's one of the main reasons that I wanted to kind of do this special episode that's just going to be me and you. So we're going to talk about discernment a little bit. But before we get started, let's do the intro music. Uh, as always, like and subscribe, share, whatever it is you can do. Um, if you're interested in supporting this podcast, you can actually go order my book. That's it sitting right there in the background at calebmore.tv. Use the code 10, T-E-N-O-F-F, 10 off, and you'll get 10% off on the book for the month of December. Okay, so let's play the music and get started. Okay, so on this episode, uh, we are going to talk about one of the things that the Christians have the ability to use but rarely do, and that is called the gift of discernment. And discernment is just a kind of a biblical way of saying you should use your brain. Now, most of you, you're going to hear that and you go, I do. I use my brain. You know, I'm listening to podcasts like this. I'm trying to uh, grow in my knowledge and ability to learn. But what we fail to understand is how gullible we are. In fact, Christians tend to be highly gullible. Uh, we're already open to the supernatural. And so we tend to, it's almost like spiritual junk food, where just because it makes us full, we think it's good, but it could be devastating to your body to constantly consume just garbage. In fact, like people like flat earthers, most of the flat earthers that I've met would also call themselves Christians. It just seems that when it comes to religion, we've set the bar really low for what we will accept as true and good, simply because I think there's like this inner hunger for us to, to find spiritual things that we're like just by nature hungry for spiritual truths. And because of that, we will eat garbage and then be satisfied that we're full of garbage. Now, let me just kind of make a case here. I'll play a little clip. Um, here's a man who thinks he's Jesus. By Yeshua ben Joseph, or Jesus. It's a gathering of the faithful from around the world. Well, welcome along. I'm Jesus. This is Mary. And so what we want to do today is talk about addictions and bribery and fear, threats, and blackmail. I can now, you look at that and you go, well, that's stupid. I would never believe that. But you know what? There's a lot of people who actually follow this guy. And throughout history, since mankind, there's been people who have made incredible claims, said they're God or the reincarnation of Jesus or this or that. And they actually get really large following sometimes. And we're not just talking about a, a couple hundred people, but we're talking about thousands and cult leaders like Joseph Smith of Mormonism. And he had an army at one time that was larger than the U.S. Army. And for most of us, we look at this and we go, hey, Joseph Smith was a pedophile. He was power and money hungry, but yet millions upon millions of people follow him as a true prophet and leader of God. So what is going on and how do we get better at not being fooled? 
Because if you think you can't be fooled, then you've already been fooled, right? So you, you need to understand that you are gullible. I'm, I'm gullible in many areas. And it's something that we have to exercise. Let me look at this verse here. Um, Hebrews 5.14 says, but solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. So when it comes to discernment, it's something that you need to practice and uh, you got to train to be able to distinguish good from evil. Good and evil are not as obvious as we often think they are. Like we tend to think that evil is going to have uh, horns and a pitchfork, but it's usually going to be something that's very, very attractive. And when it comes to spiritual things, there's a lot of things that are very attractive that are just like full of garbage, like the prosperity gospel, um, things that are hyper charismatic that people, we have what I often call Christian superhero syndrome, that there, there's this probably the fastest growing segment of Christianity or people who walk around and act as though they have superpowers. They, they think they know other people's thoughts. In my town, there is a guy who believes that he prays out the vaccine from people who walk into his store. That, that, yeah. So, so he, he believes because he thinks the vaccine is the evil mark of the beast, that if somebody comes in, he says, and they don't even know that it's leaving their body, but he claims that he can see it leave their body. He says one day he was in his garage and a whole bunch of demons showed up, like hundreds of them. And he commanded in the name of Jesus and the, the demons shuddered and he could visually see all of these things. I, I, I don't believe a word this guy says, but he's at least smart enough to own his own business and run it for several years. Um, he goes to a church that a lot of people that you would consider like normal go to. So where does this stuff come from? I don't believe it's just, this is a mentally ill person, though there might be an aspect of that. I just think we're easily fooled. I think we're really, really gullible. I mean, you have to be open to strange things to be a Christian in the first place. My, one of my favorite sayings during this time of year is that um, we forget how strange Christianity is, right? Because I believe in a teenage girl who got pregnant by a ghost and gave birth to God. <laughs> Just, when you say it that way, like, okay, that sounds strange. So I already believe what is strange. So I'm, I'm open to supernatural things. But sometimes we're so open and we're afraid of being critical of any kind of thing of God that we lose the ability to think clearly. But scripture actually commands us to work on our ability to discern good and evil, truth from lies. Um, it, we're encouraged to be like the Bereans. The Bereans were a group of people when they heard new information about God, they went right to their Bible and searched and studied to see if what was being said was actually true. So all I want to do in what hopefully is kind of a, a short podcast, but I want to give you some things to help protect you from believing garbage, right? So step number one, I would say uh, the things that you should test the most are the things that are easiest for you to believe, now, let me say that again. So the things that are easiest for you to believe are the things that you should 
examine as closely as possible. Because those are the things that like, there are certain things that I believe that we're just like, everybody's a good person, right? I, I tend to think that when I meet somebody and I'm like, oh, they're a good person. My wife has a gift of discernment and she will say, hey, I know you're like, you want to tell this person all of these things, but they might not be a safe person to talk to. It's just my baseline, my presupposition where I start from is that everybody wants to be my friend and that they are not out to hurt me. But it turns out a lot of people are conniving and manipulative and uh, emotionally damaging. And so I've had to learn that the things that are very easy for me to believe are the things I actually have to test the most. And that comes to how you view God. There are certain things culturally, uh, maybe it's your upbringing, that you have just always assumed about God because they were easy for you to believe. You're like, yeah, that makes sense. And so you've never examined it or tested it the way you might test some new information coming in. Because all information to you is new at some point, right? But some of the things you learned when you were little, and when you were little, you didn't have the ability to question or reason as well as you do as an adult. And so they kind of got just put into your brain and you've never thought about them again. And so what discernment does, one of the ways that we begin is just allowing ourselves to say there are no sacred cows. And when scripture tells us to test everything, he means it. Like when God says, test everything, hold on to the good, let go of every kind of evil, right? He actually means that. And so I can ask questions like, how do I know that God is real? Is Jesus actually who he claimed to be? Did he actually rise from the dead? And a lot of Christians have never even asked that, A, because they already assume based upon what they've been told, they've never examined it for themselves. They're just kind of taking what they've already believed to be true. Uh, and some people are scared to ask that question. Right? Like you're, you're nervous about what this journey might take you. Deconstructionism is really popular right now where people are deconstructing their faith. And there can be a negative aspect of that, but for the most part, deconstructing is good. It's you just as an adult trying to figure out, do I actually believe what I have always been told? And so I think we should start with the things that are easy for us to believe. They're the fastest growing, largest segment of Christianity right now is the word of faith, prosperity gospel. It is huge. It's all over the world. And that's an easy thing for people to believe because the essence behind it is, is that there is a, a God. He just thinks you're great. He just thinks you're great. You know what? He wants you to have that car. You deserve it. You're a nice guy. You're, you're sons and daughters of the King. He wants you to have nice things. And money, if you give a little bit of money, you know what? He's going to give you a lot more. But you look at Joel Olstein's church, and Joel Olstein preaches utter nonsense and garbage, but he's is, got a much bigger church than I do. I mean, thousands upon thousands of people show up to, it's literally like a football stadium or baseball stadium, and people show up and they love everything he says, because what is he saying? You're great. You're great. And God thinks you're great. Hey, really no problems here, guys. You're doing good. Just keep on going. And those are easy things for people to believe. A, our ego makes us think we're great already. And so I want you to begin by examining the things that you don't already examine. The things that are easiest for you to believe are the things you should test the most. 
so when it comes to discernment, the second thing that I would encourage you to think about is um, we have a tendency to elevate skill over character. So when it comes to celebrities, I mean, think of like Bill Cosby, right? Hilarious, funny person. So we elevate him because of a skill, but we forget to examine the character perhaps as closely as we should. And people say, oh, yeah, but, you know, it wasn't until much later on that we found out that uh, Bill Cosby was a pervert. But if you actually look at some of his early albums, he had entire jokes about giving women roofies, right? Like drugging them. Uh, I think it was called a Spanish fly or something like that. It was a drink. And he has a comedy bit about that a long, long time ago. So the, the signs were there, but we loved his skills. So we ignored his character and uh, people like Lance Armstrong, right? I, I, I have the same amount of gold medals as Lance Armstrong. And why is it? Because he, even though he was very skilled, his character uh, disqualified him regardless of how skillful he is. And when it comes to spiritual leaders, oftentimes we're looking for people who have the skills and not worried so much about the character. How many pastors have you heard of that were very talented at building these large organizations and operations, these like religious machines, only for some secret sin to finally find its way out and then everything collapses. Well, how did they get that big in the first place? It's because people elevated their skill over their character. I would, I would rather be surrounded by people with very little skill, like the natural skill to, to talk. You know, I'm, I, I don't have a lot of skills, but I can sit here and stare at this camera and talk for hours at a time. And some people just can't do that. But I can do that, and we like to elevate people who have those skills that we don't, um, and we often care more about the skill than we do the character. And I think that's symptomatic of celebrity culture, right? Christian celebrities, we want somebody that is the best version of us all day long, that they're human, they're like us, and so we can see ourselves in them, but we don't actually think we could become as good as they are. They're on the stage. Everybody adores them. They've written the books. They've done all that stuff. And so we, I mean, we just live in a celebrity culture. We know the names of like Instagram influencers more than we know who won the Nobel Peace Prize, right? Like we just seem to care more about popularity than actual substance. And so as you listen to somebody, just because they are well-spoken, make a good joke. I mean, Bill Johnson of Bethel Church that you've heard me talk about several times um, is an absolute heretic, an absolute heretic, a false teacher to the highest degree. I really enjoy listening to his preaching. He's good. His delivery, like he is, he's a wordsmith and he pauses at the right time. If I didn't know better, I'd be really convinced by it. Like, it's just everything about the way that it's done, the music that Bethel starts with that gets you in that mindset, um, his delivery, his pauses, the, the, you, you have to be really careful because if you listen to it and you don't have the ability to discern truth from lies, no wonder people fall for it because he does a really good job in his delivery. And this is that celebrity skill thing that uh, we have to be really careful of. So if somebody tries to correct something and you get offended because you really like this person, but you usually don't even know the person, you know what they want you to know, 
Anytime somebody is on YouTube or uh, TikTok, whatever it is, you're, you're only seeing what they want you to see. You don't actually know the person. And that's one of the problems with technology. Like a lot of you listening to this don't know me. And you might like, oh man, I like these teachings. I like Caleb, but you don't, you don't know me. And if you got to know me, you might not like me, but we, we set the bar really low um, because we will settle for somebody who's just well-spoken. And if I can say things in such a way to convince you of some truth, um, just by my delivery, somebody else who's better spoken than me can come along and convince you of some other truth. So just because somebody is good at what they say doesn't mean that what they say is good. Fair enough? All right, next one. One of the things that is um, really dangerous right now within the Christian church is the abuse of spiritual authority. I take very seriously being a pastor because these people are looking to me for spiritual guidance, and I could really mess somebody up. A lot of you, you are messed up from what churches have done to you in the past, and uh, you've got the wounds of spiritual abuse on you. And spiritual abuse is really tempting from the pulpit. I mean, where else can I stand on stage for 40 minutes and nobody is allowed to question what I'm saying, right? Like they, they don't raise their hand and go, hey, I think what you're saying is garbage. Like they're supposed to listen. They are conditioned to sit there and listen as though what I'm saying is important, especially more important than what they might have to say. And so just because somebody is on a stage and is well-spoken, like we said earlier, doesn't mean that they are telling you the truth. Because it is very tempting for people in this position to allow their egos to overtake them. And pride in the pulpit is one of the most dangerous things that you can have because you could manipulate people intentionally or unintentionally to conforming to what you think they should be. So what are some of the symptoms of spiritual abuse? Um, I, I would say somebody who is above correction and this is an issue that I've had to deal with a lot here lately is trying to correct people, uh, a certain ministry that uh, was bringing in Bethel and, and doing teachings like that, um, that we just try to say, hey, uh, maybe somebody who denies the deity of Jesus to the way that Bethel does. So the pastor, Bill Johnson of Bethel Church, um, claims that Jesus didn't do any miracles as God. He only did them as a man. And that's so we, he could just role model for us what we should be able to do. Now, Jesus raised people from the dead and forgave the sins of all mankind. So seems like he did things as God, right? And that's one of the ways that people accused him of being God is that he forgave sins. And that was something only God can do. Now that those nuances um, are missing from Bethel teachings. And so false teachers they're not very nuanced. They say blanket statements and they never deal with, but what about this verse? It seems to, no, they just say it. And then they just ignore anything that might contradict them. So uh, trying to cor correct this ministry, uh, they were above correction. And so anytime that there is an authority that is above correction, that is a dangerous authority. It means that whatever they say goes and they will get rid of anybody they will basically uh, push away anybody that tries to correct them. We call this the, at our church, the one ring to rule them all syndrome. So the one ring to rule them all comes from the Lord of the Rings. 
And it's the idea that if there's like one person in a position of power and they can make all the decisions for everybody else, the Bible fights against this and has actually protected the church from this kind of thinking by giving the church elders. I'm fascinated by how many churches are not elder led. It is harder to do and it's harder to do well, but it's better for the church. Um, it, it's hard because a, we're used to the celebrity culture where there's one person just kind of tells everybody what to do. It's a CEO type of ministry, but every time in the new Testament that a church is get planted or uh, ministers are sent out. There's always at least more than like, there's always at least two. There's always more than one. It's what we call the plurality of elders. And so I believe the Bible does that to protect the church from the one ring to rule them all syndrome, because how many churches have you known that the one pastor gets all the power and he can put the deacons and everything, and he can basically control everything. And then when he leaves, the church falls apart. And they're left struggling. And what do they do? They look for some new savior to come in who's going to fix all their problems. But if you have a group of elders, if I leave my church, the same vision is still here. There's already somebody in place, like the leadership structure. Um, Plus, uh, it protects the church because a pastor, and I've seen this happen not too long ago, where he made it almost impossible to fire him to where they had to give him an insane amount of money in order for him to leave. And that's so you might not think discernment is all that important or that you are not lacking in it. But as I begin to talk about these things, I hope some things begin to strike your mind. You're like, you know what? I never thought about that. I never thought about it. It's because you never thought about that, that people are allowed to get away with this. So the more naive you are about just how corrupt a church or people in general can be, the easier it is for them to get away with it. So um, when, when shepherds in the Bible or in the days of Jesus, they would have a staff and they would have that curved in, right? And then it would have um, a flat in. Now the curved in was to pull sheep in. Uh, the other end was to, to beat away predators. And uh, a lot of people in positions of leadership do it backwards, right? Uh, they, they use the other end as a way to control other people. In fact, this ministry that I'm talking about, they inserted some stuff into their student manual on authority. And it was essentially like, you will listen and do everything I say. I mean, that's the short of it. And it, it was shocking to read that somebody would put that in there into a student manual, but it, it's manipulative controlling that I am the one in charge. God has blessed me. This false teachers do this all the time. They say, how dare you question God's anointed? I am special than you. So if somebody who creates a hierarchy that they are above you and should be able to make you do whatever it is because they have more wisdom, that's a, that's a major red flag. Now, there, there is a hierarchy within Christianity to a degree, like elders, um, and deacons, like there, there's this kind of thing. These are supposed to be people who are worthy of respect, but I am not better than anybody else. And other people's opinions are just as relevant as mine. But what people who, as it's usually a cover for fear, tend to make it to where they cannot be questioned or you're, you're essentially questioning God if you question their leadership. So uh, that's another red flag. Here's some more. Be aware of people who spiritually shame you. So 
the, there might be something as simple as somebody saying, oh my gosh, you didn't know that, right? To where they have more knowledge than you. And so they've shamed you. And now you feel like you can't really question them because, oh, they know their Bible better than I do. Um, but it, it gets even deeper than that. Let me put my cup up here. I won't make that noise. But um, what, I, what I've seen that it can be extremely destructive is there are people who will want you to tell them your sinfulness and for you to open up to them and be like, you've got to tell me all your things. And then they can use that later on to manipulate you because they've got something on you, right? Like they know, they know certain things about you that are dangerous um, that you don't want out in the public. So then you're afraid to publicly talk about the abuse you might be suffering under a spiritual leader because they know things about you that nobody else knows. So it keeps you quiet. And hopefully, I, I really hope that none of you actually have experienced this, um, but you would be shocked at how many people have experienced this. And if you spend enough time in church, you're going to realize that this is an easy place for manipulative people to thrive because we're supposed to be open and loving and we're Christians, right? So we trust each other, but the church is a very, very easy place for manipulative people to thrive. And it is part of, uh, as part of our job as a church, it's, it's us to make sure that we hold these people accountable and that we strengthen our brothers and sisters in Christ by pushing back on this kind of stuff. Um, I would say just the lack of critical thinking, our ability to think critically has waned over the years. We would much rather have people tell us what to think than try to figure out how to think for ourselves. One of the ways I see this is um, there's a lot of Christians who are convinced that the world is five to 6,000 years old. I don't know how you honestly hold that view, right? I just feel like there's a lack of critical thinking. They've been told that, and this, this was not even an issue um, until Darwinism, uh, until late 19th uh, century, early 20th century. And all of a sudden, as a response to the new scientism, like science making all these discoveries, there was this fear uh, or pushback from the church trying to find some ground to say that, no, that we're special. Um, because the early church fathers, from what we can tell, they don't believe in a young earth. Right? They, there's Christians who actually believe that dinosaur bones were put here as a test to see if you would really trust him or if you're going to trust. Hey, that would be a messed up God. That'd be a cruel God to hide all these bones um, that are millions of years old as a test to see if you will really believe. Right? Just a lack of critical thinking. Whenever I meet somebody that has that view, uh, and I know there, there are popular speakers that you can find on YouTube and who create creation museums who have actually been in jail for tax fraud um, that really can be convincing to make you think um, there's just no evidence behind it. Like, there's, just, there's, no, there's no reason to believe um, that the world is only that old. And that might, maybe that's a topic that we cover uh, in an upcoming episode, because some of you might be like, hey, you just lost me there because the Bible says day, and that means day. I encourage you to read a, a book by the Oxford mathematician, 
John Lennox called Seven Days That Divide the World. Um, this is not just some random schmo who has an opinion, um, an Oxford mathematician. And in fact, did you know that most mathematicians are, um, they believe, you know, they believe in a God, they're theists of some kinds, uh, and, and a large uh, portion of them are actually Christians that on the other sciences, like, right, like biology and um, whatever other sciences there are. Uh, a lot of those people you'll hear that they're, oh, they're atheists or atheists or atheists. And, and that's true. Um, but there are two groups that are uh, big believers in God. One is uh, astronomers uh, who look at just how big the universe is and how organized and efficient it is and mathematicians. And in the higher escalon, echelon, in the higher levels of academia, uh, I always try to talk above my education. You can tell it doesn't work very well. Um, in the higher levels of academia, that group has a large number of some Bible-believing Christians or theists, people who at least say, yeah, there's got to be a God. Um, so I, I think that's interesting. Um, so, but this, this lack of critical thinking, beginning to work and exercise your mind the way you would any other muscle to just ask yourselves, why do I believe what I believe? Is it because I've been told or is it because it's been tested? And there's nothing like I want you to have good people in your life who give you good wisdom because you can't think critically about everything all the time, right? You trust the traffic law. Somebody told you, you stop at red lights, you go at green. And you're like, okay, I'm not saying that we should always go, but why? But why? Why do I stop at a red light? Some things are so obvious that you don't need to spend a lot of time on it, but there are things that might be obvious in your life that you actually need to spend a lot of time thinking about. And when it comes to who is God and who do I trust to speak truth into my life, this is one of the areas where I think we need to do better. The rise of the American church that just believes straight garbage. And you always wonder like, why do so many people believe uh, in Bethel or uh, Joel Osteen. Why are so many people into that? It's because of us. We stopped asking tough questions and we just lowered the bar when it comes to spiritual truths. And people will drink milk all day long, not knowing that there's actually meat out there. So let me read this verse to you from Hebrews one more time, because I think it ties everything's together. But solid food is for the mature. So all those people at Joel Olstein's church, they could be Christians, but they are immature Christians. And in the same way that I desire for my kids to grow up, I love the stage that they're at, but there is something within me that does not want them to stay in that stage. And the same is true for you spiritually. I love where you're at spiritually, but I want you to grow. And solid food is a part of that. That's you not maybe spending so much time just flipping through Instagram, but actually opening a book and learning to read and asking, do I believe this? Why or why not? Uh, but solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. One of the ways that I can encourage you that is really practical and really helpful in having discernment is when I mow the lawn, I listen to debates. And in fact, there was a summer where I probably listened to 75 debates during one summer. And we're talking like two hour long debates. There's places that you can find these on YouTube, just like Christian atheist debate, 
Um, think of a topic, young earth, old earth debate. Uh, our tongues, biblical, charismatic versus, you know, traditional Christians debate. And you can find really good stuff. One of my favorite podcasts is one called Unbelievable um, with Justin Peters. And it's just debates uh, several times a week between scholars on really good biblical subjects. You'll have the atheist or the, the, the Muslim and all that debating other people. It's one of the reasons that I wanted to do one. I wanted to have more people on that disagree with me. Uh, if you're surrounded by people who agree with you, uh, that's dangerous. Open up yourselves to have conversations with people who disagree with you. Uh, if their argument is better, change your mind. If, if their argument is more biblical than what you thought, it's okay to change your mind. I have changed my mind on some major things, and it's dangerous and scary. Um, my core beliefs have never changed about who is God, saved by grace through faith. The Bible is inerrant, but I've tested those things. But there's these leaf issues, right? So there's trunk issues, like the things that make up the core of what we believe. Those have always been the same, but I, I'm really comfortable in those core issues because I've examined them a lot. The leaf issues, um, I've, I test those as often as I can because um, there's things that I'm really interested in and really entertained by that I, that I have learned are just total garbage. Like one of them is this book here. Um, I love reading books like this. Uh, if you're listening, you can't see it. It's called Countdown to the Apocalypse, Learn to Read the Signs that the Last Days Have Begun. I love reading stuff like this, but they're total garbage, right? I, I read them as though I'm just reading um, Harry Potter or something. I find it fascinating, but I know 99.9%. Uh, there's a like Kenneth Hagen, uh, his four blood moons. It was all about uh, seven years ago. He wrote a book about the blood moon, multiple million bestseller book. And everybody's like, oh, the end's coming. Here's all this. Like, None of that stuff happens, right? But yet people will buy his next book. Why? Because they don't know the difference they don't have discernment and the church is church is struggling because of it. The church is struggling. And hopefully this, this new generation is hungry for truth, not just entertainment. So uh, I hope that's helpful in you going, okay, maybe I need to uh, increase my levels of discernment. Uh, the Bible says, test everything. When your pastor preaches, uh, if he's just going to like take a verse and then run with it, but he doesn't give you the context, look at the context, make sure what he is saying fits the context of that verse. And how do, how do you know what the context of a verse is? Read the chapter. Read the chapter before and the chapter after, right? Sometimes just reading the verse before and the verse after will give you the context. But if you find somebody's just pulling a verse out and then they're telling personal stories that make you feel good, uh, it's probably not a good church. All right. It's probably not challenging you and teaching you to sermon. It's probably just like, here's a funny thing I did. Here's a verse that makes us feel good. Everybody have a great day. It's that level of preaching that is hurting the church. And if you've ever wondered why people can go to these miracle healing crusades, where these miracle healers never actually go to a hospital to heal children with leukemia, but instead you have to go to their crusade uh, give, uh, you know, they do an offering before the healing every time to show your faith. If you wonder why those keep going on and millions of people go to them every year, it's because they have no discernment. 
They, they do not have the ability to test and see what is good. Um, one last verse. First John four, uh, one beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God for many false prophets have gone out into the world. It's like the Bible keeps warning us that there's all these false teachers and false prophets and that everybody's going to be trying to be lied to us. And we're little children who just naive to the fact that people are actually trying to lie to us. Spiritual people are trying to lie to you all the time. There are people who are going to try to use God intentionally or unintentionally. uh, But there are so many people who are just spitting garbage because it benefits them. And they don't even know it's garbage half the time. So put your guard up, right? Um, Test the things that you hear, especially the things that are easy for you to believe. So I appreciate you tuning in and listening. Don't forget to like and subscribe and have a great day.